Welcome to another episode of the Cardiac Exchange by Medtronic. Please enjoy today's episode. A lot of surgeons also use, let's say, a suture or a, a stapler to occlude the left atrial appendage. What are the advantages or disadvantages of those techniques? Any Anybody? Well, I, I will tell you that I had a unique experience as a trainee where we used a non-tissue reinforced uh, stapler that then we took the clamp off, the staple line exploded. And that was, uh, that was enough of a, an impression on me at an age that I've never used a stapler again for the left atrial appendage. Now I know people do, they, they, they use these, you know, special tissue reinforced staple lines and swear by them. Uh, but I, I just find that to be, uh, I won't say it's unsafe, but it's not my preferred technique. No, no, exactly. So if Basil, if you would get a tear in the left atrial appendage, how, how would you manage that? Is it, if it's maybe a simple suture sometimes can help, but sometimes yeah. if it's a large tear, you, it can be in trouble. So, I mean, absolutely. It could be very problematic. And the most, the most important question is where is the tear? Is it right at the tip of the appendage or is it right at the base close to the tiger country, you know, close to the circumflex and the, and the AV groove and so on. So the, the, the main, the main question is going to be, you know, I usually do this on pump if it's a sternotomy type procedure or on, uh, and uh, decompress the heart, put it in, but then still be able to fill the heart up and have it beat and confirm on echo. So I always look at the echo to confirm the location. But if the tip, if the tear is right at the tip of the appendage, to answer your question, the easiest and most simple thing to do is just to apply the clip at the base and that effectively gets hemostasis and, and decompresses the left atrium. So that's typically what I would do. And, and to avoid that, again, because avoidance is the most important aspect rather than treating, treating it, I, I typically use Russian forceps. So really the broad ability to you know hold the appendage and not um, make holes in it. Right. If you get a tear at, let's say, more at the base of the left atrial appendage, maybe even in the roof of the left atrium, um, would you use filled patches then also to in, reinforce your sutures or? Correct. Yeah. Especially if the heart is then arrested, then that would be the safer thing to yeah. do. It's just to go ahead and, and, and fix it with a usual pleasure or probably yeah. being careful to stay away from the circumflex or other structures. Yeah. Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've also, it, I guess it depends as everyone just said, where the tear is, but I've had it where an overly uh, ambitious assistant has pulled a little too hard and there's a tear kind of away from the circ posteriorly. And uh, then I usually just cut the appendage off and, and over sew it as a double layer suture line. So I pledge at the two ends of the suture line and then do a mattress and then an over sew whip stitch. The other possibility is uh, if it's if it's really big in size, then I'll cut the appendage off and patch it with bovine pericardium. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Reinforcing is, is important. And also what I hear is also, you know, make sure that you decompress the heart once you uh, suture it. Huh? Yeah. Yes, for sure. That's critical yeah. because the tissue at the base is usually just as thin as everywhere else. And especially in the really enlarged atria, which are many of the AFib atria, it's yeah, exactly. um, that tissue see-through most of the time. Yeah. I I still uh, hear the words of my trainer. He says it's wet, wet tissue paper, he said. Be, be careful. Yeah. Jeff, have you any experience or have you been lucky so far? Have you had any experience with and before the clip was available, I used to use a stapler, and I would say about one fourth of those 
patients, I would end up going back and putting a reinforced pledgeted suture because I saw some bleeding at the staple line. And I used every different stapler company and every different load and asked my thoracic colleagues, and I was never very happy with that staple line. Right, right. Yeah. Now, now Basil, you do also a lot of minimally invasive uh, mitral surgery. Um, suturing on the inside seems so attractive. You know, you're there, you see it. Still yeah, people I, do it. I, yeah it, it can be attractive, but it's something that we should stay away from. Um, and that's been shown. There's publications that show that, uh, you know, internal ligation of the appendage or oversewing the os of the appendage uh, can be problematic because you're doing it obviously on an on a empty heart that's not distended. And, you know, those tissues will distend and the sutures that you put in will, will grow and then you will have incomplete closure of the appendage, which is probably worse than having either a widely open native appendage or a completely occluded, obviously, which is the best. So that's not something that I would do. I would still put the epicardial clip and then do my mitral in the usual way. And we've done that, you know, and, and as you've seen, um, where you have a very thin, fine line on the inside with no residual appendage or trabeculated tissue that's observed. So that, yeah. that's definitely the way that I would do it. Yeah. And, and Kelly, you, you do a lot of minimally invasive and robotic surgery. Do you sometimes feel tempted to, to close it from the inside? Uh, we we do close them from the inside here pretty routinely. Um, I patch them closed with a bovine pericardial patch that I just oversew the os uh, from the inside. Um, a couple of my partners are uh, can't resist the <laughs> oversewing from the inside. Um, so we have a, a clinic that's dedicated to following um, post-operative maze patients. And so I'm actually doing a study right now looking at uh, the post-operative outcomes, specifically of LAA closure by the different methods um, using uh, CTAs. And um, we're looking at six months. So uh, we will see if that uh, contributes to changing practice. Oh, yeah, that, that's an important study. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so you, you put a, a both and pericardium then on the inside, um, if I understand correctly, Kelly? Correct. Okay. And is that, that sounds like it's also some work. I mean, it's maybe not, doesn't take that long, but a clip would be easier or not? A clip is faster if that's the question, but it, it depends if how you're able to get the clip there. Okay. So if you're going from the right chest, you know, the clips as currently designed are designed to go uh, through the sinus, you know, and so then you've got to be able to sort of retract the appendage away from you and then, you know, get try to get the clip on and flush. And Dr. Basil may be able to comment more on that if he likes doing that. Um, I have done it. I'm I'm not a massive fan of it just because the ergonomics are not amazing. And there's not always a great amount of space, you know, behind the aorta to get across there and get the device through and be able to hold the appendage away from you. But it's it's certainly one option. Right. Good. Greg, if you if you do this, um, have, have you done it from the inside as well? Or are you not a big fan of that? So I'm not right. There's there's a randomized control trial. Their data safety monitoring board for the Laos trial stopped the trial because they knew that the left atrial appendage recannulized. Right. So I'm a big fan of of that, that, that we don't close from the inside. And I have one single partner that still does it. And, you know, uh, we're doing the same thing, uh, trying to, to trying to change practice. Uh, so I think that, that, you know, as, as, as Basil said, 
sometimes a partially occluded appendage is worse than an appendage that's open, right, with AFib. Uh, yeah. So there's that. And I, so I, I do think that, that we have really good data from a randomized control trial, you know, the LAOS trial that, that showed that oversewing the atrial appendage from the inside is just not effective, uh, right. no matter how, how good you think you are at it. Um, so that's, so that's, I avoid doing that because of that. The, uh, I do agree that, uh, you know, uh, with Kelly that, that going from the right side can be, you know, going through the transverse sinus. I will say that, that the appenditure device had, I thought some advantages, right? So when we, uh, we're able to do the penditure device through a right mini thoracotomy on our mitral valve repair, that the size of the clip, the concavity of the clip, but I think more importantly, the PEEK material without a graft on the outside uh, made getting in and out of the transverse sinus much easier. Now, that's an N of one, right? So it's not a large experience. Uh, but certainly, uh, it's exciting to see that 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 might be a, a, a good application. Right, and and in this particular patient, the the shaft of the delivery system was was long enough. Yeah, so our case was a right mini anterior thoracotomy mitral valve, uh, and a lady who you know her BMI was twenty one, a uh, thin person. So it uh, it was very easy to. Uh, it's amazing. I think most people who do minimally invasive mitral surgery, even on patients with higher BMIs. It's amazing that once you get the patient on pump and you get your attraction sutures in, the mitral valve is right in your face, right? And, and you can easily get, I think, even with the current delivery system uh, that the penditure device is on, in most cases would be fine, I would bet. But yeah, different than the left aside if it's thoracoscopically from the left side through you know interspace number seven that, that's a different story i think absolutely yes great thanks very much for sharing that and, and jeff so once you have occluded the left atrial appendage um do you make an echo after the procedure routinely to see whether it is really occluded correct yes i, I review it with our anesthesiologist who's reading the te and you know, we, we shoot for a goal less than 10 millimeters uh, residual stump, but hopefully uh, not much stump at all. Yeah. So suppose that you need to reposition it, uh, and that's one of the advantages of penetrate that you can reposition it. How would you do that? Would you would you still be, let's say, have the cannulas in and decompress the heart a little bit so that you can reposition it, or would you be comfortable just to reposition it while the heart is beating? Um, I don't know that I would rearrest the heart, but I would definitely still be on bypass and I would go down on flow um, and decompress the heart and try to get it more towards the base. Yeah, that's, that's probably the safest. Uh, any, Basil, any advice that you can give here? Yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, repositioning is not something that you do often or that is required, but it's something that is possibly nice to have. Yeah. Um, you know, so to be able to reposition after you look at the echo and confirm 100% that the appendage has been occluded is obviously the goal. And, and you know, if you need to do that once uh, here and there, I think that's a, an, an added benefit. Yeah. We heard from one of the surgeons also saying that the fact that there's no cloth around it, you can maybe better see whether you put it on the base of the left atrial appendage. That could be theoretically an advantage of it. Yeah. Can I yeah. ask a question of the panel since we're talking about sure. that? 
Sure. Um, one one thing that I'm always a little nervous about with a cabbage mitral is the OM graft laying very near that, um, you know, outside covering that's designed to have tissue ingrowth. So I'm curious, do any of any of the rest of the panel, do you worry about that at all? I worry about it, especially with the current clip, uh, because it's so it's you know somewhat bulky and and high profile, and it has the cloth. So um, I will sew my distal anastomosis to the circumflex, then I will clip, and then I will measure my graft and cut it and do the proximal. Um, I also, you know, you can bovie the pericardium uh, right in front of the pulmonary veins behind the phrenic, and really open that space up. And I've found that gives. Uh, a lot more room in that area when you have the your vein graft and the clip. Uh, so those are the measures I take to try to prevent any uh, insult to the circumflex graft with that clip. Got you. Thank you. I I do what you described at the beginning too as well. Basil, any 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 technique that you use? Yeah. No. I it's it's I I do a very similar approach. I um you know always uh, look at it um and and you know on pump and then uh, re review it uh, with echo uh, before um, taking it off. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. And and maybe Greg, do you have any 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 um you know preventive measures if you for your graft on the on the marginal branch? Yeah. So I'm very similar to Dr. Miller in that I I you know I'm after I finish my distal, the first thing I do is clip, right? So the first thing I do is clip, but then after I do my distal circumflex, I'm then, you know, um, before I do the proximal, I'm making sure where it's, how long the graft is, where it's gonna lie. I also uh, routinely on all of my cases do a left posterior pericardial window, uh, which as you said, goes from that inferior pulmonary vein there. It opens up that space quite a bit. Uh, and so that's helpful. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe at medtronic.com slash cardiac exchange to hear the next portion of this conversation and to find additional podcast content.